Welcome to Meekum Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. It's the show geared toward keeping you up to speed with the latest auto news, event coverage, and expert industry insight. Now, here are your hosts, Matt Avery and John Craman. Hey, and welcome to another On The Move. And uh, coming up in just a couple minutes, we're going to be checking in with a longtime friend of uh, Meekum, John. We're going to be talking with floor reporter for Meekum Auctions on Motor Trend, Katie Osborne, who has been wearing quite a lot of hats recently, (laughs) quite literally with her attendance at the recent Kentucky Derby, sporting all kinds of very fashionable outfits. Uh, But she's also been doing a bunch of other automotive projects. We'll, We'll begin the latest from her. And then coming up in segment two, John, it is right upon us. Dana Meekum's original Spring Classic, the 35th annual event held in Indianapolis, 3,000 plus vehicles, tons of collections, and we're going to be diving into all of it, including some of our highlighted picks of what will be crossing the block. Now, before we get to it, let's turn our attention to the world of car news because uh, some of the hottest vehicles out there in showrooms are Ford's Bronco and Maverick uh, vehicles, but order books have been closed, meaning customers are going to have a very hard time getting one of those, frankly, unless they come to a Mecham auction. Right. Need a lot of patience right now, Matt. Here's what's going on. Ford has decided to close the order books because they don't want to disappoint people. They just have got a lot of people right now uh, that have orders placed for both those very popular vehicles, and they just don't want people to have expectations that may not be able to be realized within a relatively short time frame. So here's what's happening. Order books are closed, but no worries. They'll be opening up again for the 2023 model year. My recommendation is, and having waited 16 months for my C8 Corvette, <laughs> I can I can relate to those folks that want either a Maverick or a Bronco. Just be patient. Go ahead, work with your dealer, get your order in, and just be patient. And uh, that's that's about <laughs> all I can say on that. Uh, Ford has been very vocal about the fact that they're really concerned about not disappointing potential purchasers, but at the same time, they don't want to make promises uh, and imply that they can do what they just can't do right now. Hot cup, couple of hot vehicles on the market. Well, speaking of hot, let's talk next about the summer driving season, because if there's anything that pairs better with warmer weather, it is sports cars with a manual transmission. That's how many driving enthusiasts prefer their car to be set up. It, it really enhances the driving experience and to be able to shift your own gears. And automakers are responding by continuing to offer the manual option, despite the automatics uh, ex- becoming extremely good in terms of quicker shifts and, and better efficiency. They still recognize that a lot of customers want that manual option. So I think it's important to note that when you look out at what's currently in showrooms, and then I'll say maybe even more more exciting is what's coming to showrooms, that there are a lot of good options, a lot of sportier cars that can be found with that manual option. Well, there is. And the reason why I think it's important for us to talk about is, Matt, is we're right smack dab in the middle of this pending transition to electric and ultimately autonomous vehicles. But while we're hearing about that, at the same time, we've got manufacturers that are coming out with and re-releasing vehicles with traditional manual transmissions, which really kind of goes completely against in an opposite direction of this electrification movement. So that having said, really, it's the new upcoming Nissan Z and the fact that the Toyota Supra, which will be its competition, has announced that that will be available with a manual transmission. And, of course, Acura, Honda, Subaru, Ford with the Mustang, Chevy with the Camaro, Dodge with the Challenger, even Porsche 
all right now have manual transmissions. And what's interesting, Matt, is buyers are clamoring for them. Right, and so much so that brand new cars like the ones you mentioned, like the the Z, the Integra, these are cars coming out of the gate with that manual option. So if you're into shifting your own gears, I'm going to say the future is very, very bright. Uh, now, John, let's let's shift some gears in the conversation and let's be joined by a very familiar friend. On the phone with us, very, very special guest, of course, Katie Osborne, one of the veteran members of the Mecham TV Announce crew. She has been very busy all over the place, Matt, and she's taken uh, some time here to uh, share some of what she's been up to and what she may be doing in the future. First of all, Katie, welcome, and thanks for joining, Matt and I. Much appreciated. <laughs> Yes, thanks for having me, gentlemen. Appreciate it. And then, of course, uh, right now we're all getting revved up and getting ready to go to, for Mecham Indy. It's going to be bigger than ever. Uh, more about that uh, in our second segment. But fill us in a little bit about the significance of Indianapolis for you. That is your hometown. Oh, and it's man. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, as you oftentimes hear Scott on the on the show talk, you know, about Indy is home to a, a big portion of our crew and um, those who are involved in the show, and I'm one of those people as well. Back home again in Indiana, it's the month of May's theme, really, but for me, come option, it's pretty heavy as well. I definitely have a, I don't want to say long list, but a, a little bit of a longer list for those family members and friends to get them, <laughs> uh, to get them into the event and just be able to share. You know, I think with some of the most fun aspects of Indy for me is um, cruising through staging, and I see people from my you know, elementary school, from my middle school, high school, college, you cool. know, all those. I was, I was at school right there in Indy, and I went to Indiana University. So um, it's always fun to just run into people. And some people, of course, are like, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen you in 22 years. Can you please remind me of your name? Um, <laughs> but but others others are just, you know, those who I've worked with or we've crossed paths. And it's kind of a melting pot, as you, you guys all know. Like, Indy Mecham is a melting pot of, of everything auto enthusiast in the Indianapolis area from, from the track to those who are collectors, to those who just enjoy being around cars. So it's pretty cool. Well, like John mentioned, uh, Katie, you have been extremely busy. And long before we even get close to Indy, you've been out and about. And one of the events that you were at recently featured uh, tons of horsepower, but of a different kind. <laughs> you were pretty active at this year's Kentucky Derby. Fill us in. What all were you doing out there? Holy cow. I guess I'm going to say holy horses. It was, it was a crazy it was my first time at the Derby. It was the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby, and I was a rookie. And it was incredible fashion and, to your point, horsepower and, you know, drinks and food and entertainment. It was it was really a spectacle. And, of course, growing up in Indy um, and the month of May in Indianapolis being this incredible spectacle at, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, we had always heard about the Kentucky Derby, but we were always so busy during the month of May, especially when I was working with IndyCar, never made it down. So this year, I happened to be hosting the live uh, the live event and live stream for the Kentucky Derby and Churchill Downs, and it was just such a blessing and so cool, and man, what a sight, for sure. <laughs> Well, how about that winner, Rich Strike, coming from, I mean, the last <laughs> the last horse to be entered into the race. In fact, a last-minute uh, uh, entry into the race had the longest odds of any horse and, man, looked like the afterburner. Nitrous oxide kicked in there coming out of that last turn. What was the excitement there at the track like when that was happening? Yeah, you know, I was actually, my feet were in the dirt. Um, I had white shoes on, and they were no longer white by the end of that race. Um, I was standing by and ducking, actually, so all the media behind us could get um, could get a good look, too. Man, you could feel 
the rumble and the shaking of the environment as those horses were coming down. And um, yeah, it, it was, it was a true comeback story. I think what was special is kind of going into the event and talking with the morning workout folks over there, which is a show that they, that the Derby puts on as well. Um, you know, the analysis of is that this was a, a, a pack of horses that in years to come, we'll look back and say, man, that 148, what an incredible group that, you know, that was out there running. And so to have something like Rich Strike come from and kind of surprise everybody that really was, it was a, a fairy tale story for those who, who put the money down on Rick Strike, for sure. <laughs> well, uh, switching gears, Katie, you also were heavily involved with a big promotion with our friends over at Dodge with their chief donut maker, uh, a big kind of multi-month campaign to find a proper spokesperson to represent the Dodge brand and come to find out you were one of the <clears throat> co-hosts with uh, wrestling icon Bill Goldberg. <laughs> Fill us in a little bit. What exactly was this chief donut maker? And uh, give us a little bit of behind the scenes of what all went on. Holy moly. <laughs> Bill Goldberg. Let's just start there. That man is ferocious. It was interesting because, of course, you know, being a child of the 90s, like, we, we know Bill Goldberg as, like, the icon, right? And and to see him in his flesh and blood, it was just really funny. And to see the reactions of a lot of these, these men and women who were in their, you know, mid-30s, they were their icon. He was their icon growing up. So um, he and he played it up like in a, in Bill Goldberg style, and it was so cool because off camera he was actually quite the same. And that was, of course, like I was more interested on in how he was going to be in front of camera, behind camera, and he was consistent. And I thought that was really special. Um, the the donut maker aspect of it and finding them, they have they went through one hundred and seventy thousand applicants wow. uh, to become the chief donut maker. 170,000 was our, was the number that we used. Um, imagine that, right? And it whittled down to these 10. And uh, the first day, you know, there was, a, uh, they had to figure out the best way to kind of represent Dodge. And as you two know, this isn't like a representation of Dodge, like just because you can get behind the wheel and drive. It's not just because you can make donuts. It's not just because you can talk the talk, but perhaps Nowadays, you got to be able to have social media and you got to be able to understand how to talk on camera. So there was like all of these components that Dodge was looking for in the chief donut maker. Um, so the first day uh, they, they went in this like it sauna, if you will, with Bill Goldberg. And it meaning he, they sat across the, the uh, table from him and it was the hot seat with Bill. And um, Bill kind of rattled through some, some Dodge questions, right? Those, those people who were in the know of Dodge, down to some of the color codes, you know, according, you know, of course, some of the history of, and I wasn't in that room. Um, I wasn't privy to the exact, you know, the exact taping of that because I was on the back end getting their responses when they came out of the room with Bill. Um, that, and that whittled down to, you know, let's get some of the knowledge of Dodge and those who maybe were really strong in that. Let's move them on. And so the next day had to do with their media presence and their ability to kind of talk through um, roadkill night and an air, um, going through an airstream, kind of like checking to see what their, their knowledge on kind of aerodynamics in a car and like their knowledge on some of the motorsport that Dodge is involved in and what they would do if they were interacting with fans and, you know, them calling, uh, basically, like I said, roadkill night, like as they were a commentator, because this chief donut maker is going to represent Dodge at multiple different events. So that was how they whittled it down to the two, which was Lauren and Preston. 
And all of the 10, I mean, all 10 of them were qualified in some capacity, whether they were drivers of the past, perhaps they represented Dodge. They were event planners that they included Dodge in their events. Um, some were fanatics of Dodge. So it was like this combination. Preston and Lauren, Lauren happened to be a, um, she was a, a driver in Las Vegas. She had just had a pursuit and a dream and a passion to do more with driving. And Preston is a car guy. You know, Preston, it was Dodge, but yet he had knowledge and like what cars represent in our world too. So they were very different in their approach. That's when they got behind the wheel on that last day. And it was kind of the test of how they could drive, um, how comfortable they were in challengers and whatnot. So, um, and if they could make donuts. And it was just a really special experience. We had a couple of comedians on there. Um, we had Matt Hagen, you know, NHRA, um, Jag Racer. It just was, and it was so wild because the crew was so big. Radford Racing was a, a, an amazing host uh, for us there for that week of production. And it was just, it, it's so much fun. It was really a, a really cool experience. So how did you, Katie, how did you get chosen along with Bill Goldberg to host this uh Chief Donut Maker promotion. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know the exact, the behind the scenes exactly of how I got chosen, but I did see something at one point and it had me standing in front of a Dodge, a Mecham, a standing in front of a, a Jeep out in the desert when I was covering off-road racing and I had a couple of fun facts on me. And I think that that one sheet or somewhere was in the mix behind the scenes. But realistically, this is also a motor trend, um, a motor trend deal. And again, just like glossing over it, it basically, my, I had some contacts within the Motor Trend world. Obviously, Nikam associated with both Dodge and Motor Trend. Um, it just seemed like a, a pretty good, pretty good fit. And, and I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, my role on the show was connecting with the contestants, being there for them when Bill was scaring them, right. um, talking through with Bill, you know, my viewpoint and what, what I bring to the table is more of that motorsports and you know, the storytelling and, and the why of Dodge and Bill comes, you know, behind the wheel and under the hood and all that jazz. So it was a really cool combination between the two of us as we kind of navigated that as well. So when the smoke cleared, Preston Patterson was declared the winner. Fill us in. What all are the perks of the job? And then also, uh, what are the responsibilities? What is he going to be doing in the months ahead? <laughs> well, that man is going home with a $150,000 check, wow. which is pretty rad. Nice. Yeah, right? <laughs> He's going to get a, I think he got a challenger as well. And then um, he was going to represent Dodge at different kinds of events, a.k.a. Road Till Night. That was one of the reasons they wanted to see what his experience on camera calling an event like Road Till Nights would be. Um, he's going to be representing Dodge at SEMA. Um, he's already been out uh, at an NHRA event. I mean, it's been two, two weeks maybe since it's launched. So I already saw some social media uh, created around him being at NHRA. Um, and I know that there's a full-on separate social page now activated that I think he's the guy behind. Um, and I think he's, I mean, he's so, he had two young boys, and he was just so excited to be able to touch and tap into that younger demo um, and, and kind of bring to light a different vibe that Dodge is already, you know, Dodge is so good about. Dodge is so true All-American, and Preston, I think, is really hoping that his goal is to, to tap into that younger demographic. Well, well played, Katie. It was really a lot of fun watching you. The videos uh, can be still can still be seen. A, a Dodge.com website uh, has got a lot of information on 
on on the promotion. It's a lot of fun to watch. I know Matt and I both enjoyed it. And uh, I also enjoyed watching you as you made your way through the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> but rest up, kid. Rest up because we got a big Mecham Indy coming up, and we will oh, be man. seeing we will be seeing you real, real soon in Indianapolis. Uh, well, thank you guys for having me, JK. Thanks for I saw you tapping into the adventures both with I mean Donut Maker Derby Talladega. So thank you for for keeping in the in the loop with what I got going on too. It's been it's it's a fun journey for sure. See you, Katie. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Mecham Auctions is proud to bring you On the Move with Matt Avery and John Craman. For more on the world of collector cars, head over to Mecham.com. Now let's get back to the show. Well, May is here, and if you're into classic cars, you are revved up because that means the return of Dana Meekham's original Spring Classic held once again at the Indiana State Fairgrounds in Indianapolis, Indiana. And John, this is shaping up to be one for the history books with nearly 3,000 vehicles slated to cross the block over nine days of auction action. And just when you thought you couldn't get any bigger and better, that vehicle total is up from last year's high watermark of nearly 2,100 vehicles. So a lot more is in store this year. And on top of that, the event is celebrating a major milestone, marking its 35th anniversary. So it's safe to say all of the excitement, all of the buzz that we are experiencing and gearing up for has been decades in the making. Well, and it all started right here, Matt. If we go back to 1988, Dana and Patty Meekham working on their on their kitchen table, sketching out a plan to hold collector car auctions. They called it the Spring Classic, <laughs> and the first one held was at the Greater Rockford, Illinois Airport of all places. And uh, I don't know if Dana had in mind and Patty had in mind that it would grow to be the significant event that it has now 35 years later, but... Um, Needless to say, uh, this is the granddaddy of all Mecham auctions. Now that I've said that, uh, compared to last year, we've got a very high bar, Matt. You mentioned how many vehicles we had last year, just ju- just under 2,100. Well over that with consignments now. But here is our bar that we're going to need to beat, $107.8 million, which was an all-time record for the Spring Classic. That was the 34th annual last year. So all eyes, uh, that would be the press included, the automotive press and enthusiasts around the world, are really going to be paying attention to see if the magic of Mecham and the strength of the collector car market can continue to march on well and if there's one indicator john it is the amount of collections that have been consigned and this year there are 23 different collections a wide range of vehicles makes and models uh let's talk about some of the highlights because there's a couple that you and i are particularly dialed into one of my favorites is the 1967 camaro z28 collection and true to the name it is full of nothing but uh one of my favorite cars the 1967 camaro z28 just 602 were built in this inaugural year for the performance oriented model equipped with that uh 302 cubic inch v8 really a very cool uh racer that was destined for the track and the model has lived on to today but man some of the most desirable Camaros really are this first year of that Z28 so this is a great collection of cars another one that uh, I'm paying close attention to is that of our friend Ray Everham a large group of cars including many historically significant race cars one of my favorites being uh, the 1969 Dodge Hemi Daytona which was the first car to officially hit 200 miles per hour on a close course 
course. So it'll be really exciting to see how his cars do when they hit the block. John, what about you? What what collections are catching your eye? Well, Matt, the theme this year, the theme that I'm seeing this year is sort of a spring classic tradition, and that is high-end muscle oh, okay. and Corvette. So let's kind of focus in on that. Great group of 19 high-end performance cars coming to us from the Motor City Muscle Collection. And we've got everything from literally from A to Z. We've got a 71 Judge. It's in Tropical Lime, one of only two built in 1971. We've got Dodge Hemi Daytona. That's that really cool green one. 1970 Ford Torino King Cobra, a car that was sort of ill-fated for the Aero Wars and NASCAR and Yankos and and uh, a really cool Dino Don uh, Mercury Cougar drag race car. The list goes on and on. Once again, tying in with the theme of what this auction's all about, probably the most unique collection, Matt, is what's called the AMC Collection, 17 high-end AMCs. We're talking SC Ramblers, also known as a Scrambler, a, a Rebel Machine, factory AMX Superstock race cars, very rare, 71 four-speed, AMC Hornet, SC360, some uh, some other drag racers as well, and a couple of vintage Jeep Cherokees, which are now starting to really get cranked up on the schedule. But Matt, when I think Spring Classic, I think Corvette's the number one most popular single individual model at a Mecham auction, and certainly this year with close to 10% of the inventory Corvettes. How about a group from Dr. Richard Foster, his Corvette pace car collection, 18 Corvettes, pace cars, pace car editions, all selling as one lot, Matt, the pre-auction estimate, $1.5 to $1.7 million, all being sold as one lot. And now that I've said that, let me just point out just a, a handful of really great Corvettes. The 67 Corvettes, that's the very last mid-year convertible Corvette. It happens to be black with a black interior with a 300 horse 327. A 65 Corvette, that's a big tank fueling, meaning it's got the large fuel tank, as well as the final year of that fuel injected 327 at 375 horsepower. A high-end 58 Corvette Resto Mod. Uh, 505 horsepower to 7 liters of LS power, Art Morrison chassis. You're ready for the estimate? 800000 to a $1 million. Wow. The 65 Pilot Line Corvette, it was the very first convertible off the line. It is VIN 003. The first Corvette also to ever have a 427 installed in it. That was done by GM Engineering. One of two 71 ZR2 convertibles ever built. That's high performance 454 with all of the upgraded suspension components as well. That is Bloomington Gold benchmark car, by the way. And uh, man, oh man, that is just a, really honestly a tip of the iceberg for some of the really exciting collections individual cars and Corvettes that are headed to Mika Mindy. Well, keeping on that uh, Chevrolet theme, John, there is no shortage of top-tier Camaros crossing the block. I talked about that group of uh, 67 Z28s, but there's two other 67 Camaros that, that have a lot of similarities in their origin. So, like I mentioned, both of these are 67s. They're both RSSS. They both feature 427s, and they both were modified by legendary dealerships. So, let me start with the first one. It is one that was modified by Nikki Chevrolet. 
Chevrolet in Chicago. Not only is it a 427, but it's a 427 topped with the L89 aluminum cylinder head option. Really cool car. And then the other is a Yanko Camaro RSSS. So this would be one modified by Don Yanko's team at his Cannonsburg dealership. And what's fascinating is that uh, Don Yanko, he launches his 427 Camaro program by hiring Dick Carroll away from Nikki. Harold had been a professional drag racer, and when the Camaro debuts, Nikki is very quick to offer him a full-time job spearheading their performance operations, and he's so successful at it that he catches the eye of Don Yanko, who hires him away to essentially do the same thing for his own dealership. So these are two really special cars, and I love how their stories are intertwined, and safe to say it is a rare sight to see one of these, but to have a pair of these types of cars at the same event, a very special opportunity. And I know all eyes, including mine, will be watching them when they cross the block. Now, we've uh, we've centered a lot of the conversation on a lot of the Chevrolet performance, but of course, there's a lot of other muscle cars. What are some of your other highlights? Well, let's start off with one of my favorite Mopars at this entire auction. It's 1969 Dodge Hemi Charger 500. What is a Hemi Charger 500? That was the first wave, Matt, of modifications to a Dodge Charger for better aerodynamics on the big super speedways. Ah. This predates the Daytona from the same year. Company in the Detroit area called Creative Industries took a regular RT Charger and they put a flush mounted grill and a flush mounted back window, sold them under the banner Charger 500. This one is a factory Hemi car. Only 52 Hemis were built and only 25 of those had automatic transmissions such as this one has. Very well known, very well documented car with an auction estimate of $300,000 to $350,000. Now, at a performance oriented auction such as Mecham Indy, I want to finish it off with. I don't know. In the Pontiac world, everybody knows I'm a Pontiac guy. It's my first love, not my only love. We have a 69 Ram Air 4 Judge. Only 239 were built with a four-speed. It's Matador Red, not the more common carousel red, which is same as Chevy's Hugger Orange. This one's Matador Red, more of a traditional red. It has been impeccably restored. It is fully documented. And another high-dollar muscle car, Matt, $325,000 to $375,000 is the auction estimate on that beautiful 69 Judge. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you'd slip in uh, some top-tier Pontiac muscle, and that's a, yep. that's a great choice. Now, John, while everyone is invited and encouraged to come and attend this event live in person, if you're unable to or if you don't want to miss a single minute of it, no worries. There is loads of TV coverage. Right. Uh, we've got uh, plenty of coverage heading everybody's way, both on Motor Trend Plus which is the streaming service, or on Motor Trend TV, on the cable service. And everything uh, on television, Matt, it kicks off Wednesday, May 18th at 12 noon. That would be Eastern Time. We go six hours straight live. That schedule will, will carry forward all the way into Saturday with identical schedules. But now here's the punchline. Here's the really good news. When we're done at 6 o'clock, they turn around and they, this is on a daily basis, they re-air every auction for another six hours, then they turn around and they re-air it again for a second time into the wee hours of the morning. So no excuse for listeners out there not to get a chance to go ahead and dial it in. And just uh, a quick uh, shout out to our friends at Discovery, our parent channel. We will be on live two hours 
on the mothership on Discovery on Saturday. That'd be May 21st, 12 noon to 2 p.m. And that will be done in conjunction. We'll also be on Motor Trend Plus and Motor Trend TV at the same time. Gives folks a chance that are regular Discovery listeners to get exposed to all the fun and the action of it of a Meekum auction. You've been listening to Meekum Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. For more information, visit Meekum.com. And join us again next time as we take you inside the world of muscle and collector cars and more.